the water's fine, homie, jump into the deep end, sow it, you will reap it, we talking how to start it, how to grow it, how to keep it, take a deep breath, you are now rocking with Founder Secrets. Welcome to Founder Secrets. Thank you for having me. We met through EO and you're, you're an attorney, uh, which, which we're going to talk some about law today. And what I found most interesting uh, about you when, when we first met is that, uh, and I mean this in a very loving way, is that you don't come across like a lot of attorneys do. Uh, is that, is, has it always been that way? Or is that, is that part of what uh, attracts clients to you? And uh, is, that, is that on purpose? Or is that kind of an output of your personality? Well, I do take that as a compliment, but thank you for letting me know it was intended to be positive. I appreciate that. People have been telling me that for a very long time. And I just am who I am. Because when you are hiring anyone, it doesn't matter really what the role of the person is. You need to be genuine. So people can make a determination and decide, can I work with this person? Is this person going to drive me crazy? Or is this person talking up here for no reason? So uh, one of the policies I actually have in my law firm is you have to speak English, not lawyerese, when you are speaking with clients. Because if you don't understand us, really, what are we doing? What, what, what does that mean? Like speaking English, you know, in a, are, are most of your clients kind of, small businesses and they are confused by the law or what does that mean like to you speak English? Well, every profession has its secret vocabulary, right? And so I just think it's good to be understood. You can leave like the Latin and the fancy words to oral arguments with the judges, but when you're trying to explain someone's situation to that person, and explain the advantages and disadvantages or the risks that they're going to be encountering, you should speak in a way that they understand you. And unless they know Latin, it really won't help. I, I know that you're, you're, you're somewhat passionate about AI and about kind of its impact on, on law or maybe the lack of impact on law. Uh, can you speak to like, how, how do you think of AI today when it comes to its impact on on law as a whole, maybe intellectual property law, if you'd like. Um, and then where, where do you see it going? Are you worried or, or how, how do you kind of think of that? I think I'm a contrarian at heart sometimes. I don't mean to be. I just uh, end up giving things my consideration and finding that I'm like not standing in the circle with most of my friends. So most of my friends think lawyers are in trouble. And I really don't think that we're going to be as in trouble as all the lawyers believe. We are all using AI now, whether we want to or not, whether we agree with the technology or not, because it's embedded in so many things, including legal research. So it's fascinating how legal research has evolved over the years. And it's because these um, legal research programs are using AI to an extent. But the person controls the AI. It, and so you can't really get rid of the person. And while there are some tasks that AI conceivably do quicker than a person, like, oh, we just received 35,000 pages. Please highlight every time it says distortion or whatever word you're looking for. Sure, that's going to help us out and it's going to cut down. But machines make mistakes. And the mistakes are the headaches of the attorney, especially if your name is on that door, like mine is. So you're still going to need to double check things. Also, 
um, categorizing documents as important, not important. AI is just not there yet. It may get there eventually. But right at this moment, I'm not terribly concerned about a takeover of uh, lawyers. But I do think that the younger generation may suffer because what happens when you initially become an attorney? You're doing um, basic basic work, of course. I mean, you have no experience. <laughs> it's understandable. And that basic work may disappear. So it, it may be more difficult for the younger generation to get real training and to be given a real shot. So I am concerned about that. And when you talk about basic work, you're saying that, um, you know, the, uh, a person used to go through those 35,000 pages and highlight th those words. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that or, you know, basic you know, cover letters or basic correspondence. It, it doesn't take, you know, a genius, no offense to anyone out there to say, enclosed, we attach, you know, Taylor's deposition transcript, please let us know uh, if you have any corrections, right? It doesn't take too much time to do that. And so I just think basic tasks like that, you know, might disappear for attorneys also, there's like the setup, the document setup for some documents that you share with the court. They're called briefs like that, right? I could say a brief. Some people may think that's something you wear underneath your pants. So uh, I therefore told you what a brief is. is a document you provide to the court. So uh, there is a setup that can likely be done through machine learning and by a machine. So basic tasks, yeah. Do you guys know about uh, Do Not Pay, this startup like app called Do Not Pay? I think it's do not pay.com. Have you heard of it? Is that the no. one where you use oh, this... AI to go to court on your behalf? Is uh, that the well, one where you're I'm court, using AI in lieu of a lawyer? A little bit in that like it'll help you fight these little these little things like um like uh, certain uh you know, you want to break your lease or or some some big corporation is trying to like uh screw you in, in like a way or like you're trying to like a uh, 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 you have a parking ticket that, you, that you're trying to fight or, or some you know some airline delayed your flight and it automatically creates the message and sends it on your behalf and it makes it look really lawyery and uh and uh i used it once actually and and um yeah it's pretty interesting i wonder like what do you think of these sort of more automations not so you know it's a mix of ai and a little automation well I haven't used it. I have heard of it. And I can tell you that some of my largest deals were as a result of LegalZoom. So if anyone from LegalZoom is listening, I thank you so much for creating LegalZoom. <laughs> and uh, the reason why all of these types of programs are so great, you know, for attorneys that are not purely templative, because there are some attorneys out there, they've commoditized the law, you go to their websites, they're like, oh, a contract of four pages is X dollars. It's a commodity, but it's also a template. So what happens is LegalZoom sends you a template and there are these unknown rules uh, to the person downloading and signing these documents. And there are a lot of gotchas in there. So here's a free piece of legal advice. Don't ever say lawyers don't give out free advice. We're listening in New York. Whatever your operation, uh, your operating agreement says, you are held to that because purportedly adults read it and reviewed it and signed it, right? They didn't just download it and say, okay, we're friends, I'm going to sign. That does happen sometimes. So, for example, if there are 
let's say, um, three partners and they download from LegalZoom, it's going to say some decisions need a majority and some decisions need a supermajority. You can't get a supermajority without unanimity when there are only three people voting. And therefore, you've actually signed a document that says we have to agree on everything, including your ouster. Isn't that fun? So, Flavio, uh, Taylor and I decided we want to kick you out, and you have to also vote on that. It's very unlikely you're going to say yes. Very unlikely. And now we go to court, and if it's under New York law, they're going to say, hmm. oh, well, you signed it. So you would have to uh, petition for a dissolution. It's a very ugly process. So I thank all of these programs. Please keep up the good work. Uh, because when there's a problem with the operating agreement, and it's time to draft an actual one that works for you, they'll come to a lawyer like me. So how would that work? I mean, you mentioned in New York State, it works this way. How would that work if you were in Delaware or California or Connecticut? Is it would that not be the same and supermajority the same in each state? Yeah, the supermajority number would be the same, but um, whether or not you can circumvent something that depends on the state's law. Like sometimes some state laws will say uh, you can change the parameters of an agreement between the parties if they act a certain way like partners, like you and I, or the three of us. But in New York, it's whatever's written down. So it doesn't matter that, you know, you're the main tax partner, but I'm the one who always liaises with the CPA. If there's a problem with the tax, they're gonna come knocking on your door. You can point the finger at me, but this isn't helpful, right? Because we're just back at, oh yeah, let's, let's hire a lawyer. So it's not always helpful. I had another client who use LegalZoom uh, for their trademark. They didn't know me yet. They came to me because they wanted to get a license to sell something, and it's a very regulated thing. And I said, okay, well, you know, what's going on with your name? Did you protect your name? All these things. Oh, yeah, I filed a trademark application. I'm like, fantastic. So I go online and I check it out. And I'm like, oh, you filed it with LegalZoom? And they said, yes. I'm like, it's going to get rejected. And they go, why? I'm like, let's just wait until... The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office tells you why. That way you won't be mad at me. You can just read it from the government. Sure enough, like six months later, it was rejected. So I'm all for these apps, Flavio. Please. Wait, why was it rejected? Keep them coming. Just, just why, why was it rejected? Well, what happens with these kinds of programs, um, LegalZoom isn't a program per se, but it's a, they do provide you with a questionnaire and you have to complete it. So... Part of the problem is people don't know how to respond to the question being asked because the question is not clear because, again, we have this secret vocabulary. Nobody knows. Like if I said, what class are you in? You might think I'm talking about like wealth or you might think I'm talking about school class, but it has nothing to do with that. And so people are like, humana, humana, I don't know which class it is. And they'll go online and do a search and try to figure out which class they're in, but if they get that wrong, you can be rejected. So it gets complicated huh. and they're just going to file what you say. So if you said your name is Taylor and it's spelled P-S-Y-C-H-I-C, that's what they're going to write on the, you know, on the application for you. Cause that's what you, you told them. I gotta say, I want to, I want to meet that, uh, that, that Taylor. Um, exactly. Me too. 
you know, I, I ran a marketing agency for 12 years. And in my kind of experience from the advertising and marketing world, you had these people who were very good at the creative side of the business. So they were very good creatives or they were very good advertising or they're very good copywriters or good programmers or whatever it is. And then that was one big bucket of people. And that's why they got into the business. And then a second part is uh, maybe they're really good salespeople. So they, they're very good at selling a vision. Um, and then a third part is they're very good operators. So these are people who know how to run big projects and know how to keep them uh, on the tracks and, and doing well. And in my experience, it's, it's hard to find one person who does all three of those very, very well. Um, I was more of a salesperson and a little bit of like the, the, the kind of doer because I, I started by doing the work. I'm just curious, like, do, do you find that to be true in the legal profession where, where someone could be a very good you know, lawyer, but a bad business person or not good at running a firm? Uh, and how do you kind of straddle those lines? Definitely. I mean, every person has things they're good at and things they're bad at law is no exception. And I can tell you, I don't know, it's been a while, I'm not going to say how many years, but it's been a while since I've um, been in law school. It's been over 20 years, over 20 years. And I don't think this has changed. They were not teaching us business. You know, corporate law, yes, different, not business. Nobody tells you this is how you manage people. This is how you run a company. This is how you um, seek funding. Well, lawyers don't seek funding, but in general, this is a sales class. There's none of that. And so, yes, there are some attorneys who are extremely knowledgeable and can figure out any problem, but you likely don't want to speak to them because maybe they're a little rough around the edges or maybe they speak up here. And so, you know, that's a subset. Then you have those attorneys who are great. They're people people. They may not know how to uh, solve your problem because they spend the majority of their time doing sales. There's nothing wrong with those folks either, but sometimes it can be scary for them because, you know, I'm on that cusp Flavio, you're about to sign my retainer. And then you ask me a question. I'm like, oops, I don't know why, because I'm out selling. That's my job. And then you have some people who do both. And when you run a small law firm, like I do, you have to do both because the law firm started with me, myself, and I, the three of us. And so one of us did the work, one of us did the sales, and one of us did the operations. But then you quickly learn what you enjoy doing, don't enjoy doing, and what you're good at, what you're bad at, and you hire accordingly. So I try to train all the lawyers who work with me on both you know, sales and uh, being a good attorney, like the work itself. But there's all, it's always uneven, right, with every person. And you see where they excel. And, like, my job is to help them do more of that, whatever that is. And, and where do you think that you kind of excel? Like, where have you kind of fallen in those three buckets? I, it's so hard for me to know. I think it depends on the day because some days I'm just doing, you know, the work. I know EO, a big thing is work on the business, not in the business. It's very difficult to do that you know, as an attorney, especially in my firm, because I tend to hire junior people and train them, as opposed to hiring experienced people where I just hand on the baton and then go out and get more business. So it depends on the day. Uh, I, I think that the operations portion is the most difficult for me personally. You know, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy like the sales aspect of it. I enjoy solving the problems. Don't really love invoicing people, talking to them about, 
you know, an issue that they might have with said invoice. I don't uh, love telling people you're taking too long to do this. The client is waiting or, you know, why is it three o'clock? And I'm just hearing about this now. I don't really love management, I guess. But alas, it's me, myself and I, although I have other people, since I'm the only um, partner, it's me, myself and I again, in terms of what I have to do. Under LinkedIn, you've been named a luxury woman to watch. Uh, you talk about fashion, you know, as one of your uh, kind of expertise. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. A, where did the luxury woman to watch uh, come from? And and B, like, how, how do you see this intersection between fashion and law? Okay, let me see. Uh, I was named a luxury woman to watch by Luxury Daily. It's a daily publication about luxury, as the name suggests. Uh, I publish a lot for them. I speak a lot at their events. And they nominated me and it was, you know, very nice of them to do so since I'm not, I'm in fashion, but not in fashion. You know, nobody's like, oh, we, let's figure out what to wear. Let's call Rania. That's not, you know, I'm not an influencer in that regard, but there's a lot of hard work in fashion. People may not realize that because you just sort of go to the store and buy what you want, but there's so much that happens before that shirt gets to the rack. There's so much that happens at the fashion shows. Where are you sitting? How many exclusive pieces are you getting? And is the exclusive a color or is it exclusive a style? And all of these things are contractual. Even, um, you know, the Met Gala, I can't say too much, but um, I did represent a client who was sponsoring the Met Gala. And even I didn't know how much it, it entailed until I started working behind the scenes on it. So it's so complex and so complicated and it's contract law it's strategy it's intellectual property law it's consumer fraud law it's like everything anything and everything and um as the world turns so does fashion right the way we dress changes the kinds of textiles we want to wear changes and so it's really a fun and very fast-paced and energetic area uh, or industry so New York Fashion Week's about to kick off. Uh, can you get us into any yes. of the events uh, here in New York? Are you are you going to some events? Absolutely not. I can't do it. I'm really sorry. I do attend some events. I do attend some parties. Uh, but I you only can't get, one get Taylor and I. I, I see. I see. I'm so sorry. I uh, can't. No worries. No worries. I, I don't want any more jokes about lawyers being liars. So I'm not going to say I can and then tell you later I can't. Or I'm saying, oh, I'm sorry, I tried. Oh, I the can't. other thing, you say you come from a, a place of no, like K-N-O-W, to no, rather than no, N-O, like no. Yes. Um, can mm-hmm. you dive a little deeper into this philosophy? Yeah, sure. I mean, there are so many, like, lawyer jokes, and putting all of those terrible jokes aside, I'm sure none of you, not, neither of you or anyone listening knows them. We love jokes. But putting those aside... No, you love jokes. Okay, I'm not going to share any of those jokes. Yeah, we're kind of like a secondary joke podcast. Um, It'll be a very long podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so putting those aside, one of the complaints that I used to hear all the time when I was an associate at a firm is, we don't want lawyers screwing this up. We don't want lawyers uh, making sure this doesn't take place. We don't want lawyers telling us we can't do this. And and for some reason, I don't know why people think that we're here to say no and no, but apparently it's a thing because I've been hearing about it for so long. So I tell people, 
unless you say something ridiculous, like I want to uh, start a company of hitmen, right? I have to say no to that, right? Or I want to sell cigarettes to minors. No, again, so sorry. Sometimes no is accurate. Unless it's Jewel. That's okay. Jewel, uh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, yes. I, everything is starting to be more okay, but I'm still not sure about the tobacco with minors. I think we're still on the no NO for that one. Uh, but I think that you have to find solutions, right? I always tell people I'm a solution-driven person. And we may need to take five steps to get to where you want to go instead of two steps. Uh, maybe you have to do what you want to do in a different state or at a different time, but just telling someone no is a dream killer. Unless something is illegal, there should be no reason to say no, right? Even when a transaction looks bad, initially, you may be able to change some things around to make it less bad or good, if you're lucky. It depends, right? And, and this is something that my clients struggle with because I tend to represent small and medium-sized businesses. And sometimes we're contracting with huge businesses. And I always remind my clients the story of David and Goliath. Everyone uses, like a lot of people use that and they say, oh, we're never going to get it. I'm like, no, 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 David won. David won. Goliath didn't win. You got it backwards. So there are steps you can take. You may not be able to win, but you can take some good shots, even if you're small. And so that's what I mean. We're going to do our best to move and propel forward, constantly moving forward. And sometimes you have to turn right or left to go straight. Like in New Jersey, you have to turn right, right? No matter what. It's like you go straight or you turn right. There are no left turns. And that state's fine. See, that was a joke. So it's the same. What? That was a joke. Yeah, that was a joke, but it wasn't a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty I didn't serious. Know we make jokes. That was a pretty serious joke. <laughs> No lawyer jokes, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you have to do the same thing. You have to go around to get to where you want. All right, so one of the things I'm curious about is um, my experience with, not you, but with some attorneys is that if I ask uh, four attorneys the same situation, the same question, I'm going to get sometimes four different answers, but they're all um, uh, given in such an authoritative, uh, you know, confident tone. And I'm curious how you navigate that when, when, you know, it, your clients have been given other guidance or maybe the other person is wrong. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that and tell people that they're wrong or tell your client that they were given wrong information before? I tend not to use those words, right? Unless I'm speaking to opposing counsel because it's still your client. You still have to guide them. And sometimes the best thing for them to do is go with whoever they like best, right? So if there are four opinions, and by the way, here's a lawyer joke. You ask four lawyers, their opinions might get 10 answers, 10 different opinions, but it's good you only got four, Taylor. You're ahead of the game on that one. I love the lawyer jokes, but, this is great. <laughs> yeah, that one I'll say, that because it's not about like death to us or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, being sharks, blah, 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 those ugly ones, I don't <laughs> like those. Uh, but ultimately, there, there's always more than one solution to every problem. I mean, that's just reality. And all you can do is tell your client which uh, option is best for them. And if they want to go with a different attorney, so be it. When I have these kinds of discussions with my clients, I tell them, I see like two or three different paths here. Do you want to hear all of them? Or do you want me to tell you the one I think is best? And then depending on their response, I'll either tell them what I think is best or I'll just outline 
the three options. I mean, today I was on a call with one of my clients and they want to do something that I disagree with. It's not illegal. I just don't think it's a good idea. And I told them that. I said, I'm not, I don't think this is in your best interest. I think it'll backfire for these reasons. But ultimately, it's not illegal. I'm here to support you. If that's what you want to do, we'll move forward. And then I followed up with an email, just for a little quick reminder. <laughs> Remember, I said this wasn't a great idea. In case it backfires, I don't get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, so everyone has a different style. How does one grow? And, you know, it sounds like you still do a lot. And as we are in entrepreneur organizations, that can be a blocker, right? If you're the one that, that has to do it all. But only if you want to grow. I know some folks are, are happy doing what they do every day. And so I guess, where are you, where are you at on that? Do you, do you kind of like the you being kind of that key person? Or is it something that you want to remove yourself from being the key person and, and, and scale at a, in a different way? Well, I'm all for growth. I mean, that's what I tell my clients. I'm here to help you monetize your business. It's no different for me. I definitely practice what I preach. So I am grooming people. And I, you know, as I get to know the attorney and as the clients get to know them on smaller matters, I start to give them more and more. And, you know, I'm not going to discuss my age again, but I won't be working like another 20 years. Okay? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> because I want to retire while I'm healthy and while I can enjoy doing whatever it is I decide to do. I don't know what that is yet. I have no hobbies. However, <laughs> uh, it's important to have succession planning. Uh, that's like a key to success as you're moving forward and you can't start too soon. So I hired a particular attorney and I just think that he's great. He's different from other attorneys. I've hired other attorneys I've met. He actually cares about the clients, which is wonderful. He cares about doing well and everybody likes him. So I'm grooming him, you know, not only so we can grow, but you know, life happens. I don't know. I, I wish myself all the health in the world, but I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure the client can be taken care of, even if something terrible happens to me. Is the plan, well, outside, let's not talk about any terrible things happening, but let's say that succession planning or retirement dream, are you... Yeah. Is the way you see it working is more you sell the practice or the person kind of buys you out over time? Or are you thinking more like you still own most of it and, and get profits and maybe you cut them, this person in on, on a little bit of it? Well, this person isn't yet a partner. They're, they're on a partnership track. Uh, and so if they're still here and they're still doing well, there's no reason not to, but whatever. It's all about ifs. Uh, let's see, we're 23, 24. They would be a partner of some kind in 2025. And I don't, I don't think, I think on some decisions, it's okay for me to say this is how it's going to be because I own more. Like, no, I own 100%, fine. But if you're going to tell someone, I'm grooming you to be partner and I want you to start making decisions, you can't provide an edict for something so important. So I would have to ask, as time progresses, what do you see? Right? What do you see? Do you want the responsibility? It's a huge responsibility, right? Everyone always wants to be the boss, the leader, whatever. There's so much responsibility, not just to yourself, to the clients, to the employees, to everyone. So do you want that or do you want to sell? 
like for me personally at this stage, it's I'm still too far from retirement. I don't have a strong opinion on what I want for myself, but I just know when I retire, I want to be retired. It doesn't mean you can never call me, but I don't want to be married to my phone. Like I always jokingly say, I cheat on my husband with my phone because I'm constantly on the phone. I have to check my texts, check my emails because we have clients all over and they need a response. They're not going to wait. There's a lot of lawyer jokes in this uh, episode. Just want to point I know. out. I, I know. And, and there were probably some uh, <laughs> double entendres that were not meant to be there. But anyway, you guys can forgive me. I'm not perfect. So it's fine. Uh, so, so you've been, you touched on this a little bit about the um, luxury woman to watch, but it, it seems that that you've really kind of emphasized or somewhat emphasized national, you know, print TV, the media side. And I'm just curious how, what, what impact has that had on business? Um, you know, has, is that is that a good investment of, of time for other uh, professional services people that are listening? I think that, uh, you know, you have to build trust with people before they hire you, especially, you know, as an attorney, especially with all these jokes that people have, they already in general, don't like us. They already, in general, they were a hindrance and that we're rude and a bunch of other things. You guys fill in the blanks when I'm not on. Uh, and so it helps build trust because people presume, correctly or incorrectly, right, that if you're going to get on the show or have an article published somewhere, someone's fact-checking you, right? They, they know you're not going to say anything incorrect, at least. And so it helps build trust. I think it's an important, you know, part of of running a service business. And so it's it's proven to be good. How how do you get those appearances? Like, do you have a PR person, or is this something that you do yourself? I do. No, I do have a PR person, and you know, it started off very slow because, again, I don't have like a famous name, so I had to prove myself. Right? There was a lot of you know just sending them talking points and then hearing nothing. And then following up with more talking points and then showing them, oh, look, remember my talking point from a month ago? It's happening now. And, and just having conversations with people and, and asking them for a chance. It was just persistence. That's important. You, where, um, where were you born? Egypt. So you're, you're a first, uh, I guess, what do they call us? Immigrant first generation? Or is it generation zero? Yes, that's I, I, I don't know. And it seems like you have that hunger. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. But is that immigrant? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's like, if I had a kid, they'd be. But you, I don't know. You, you come from a different country. You got that immigrant mentality and hunger. But I was wondering legally, yeah. many would say yeah. that the U.S. tends to have a highly, highly legal system. Very, very litigious uh, people. They, they, there's more lawyers here, I guess. People like suing each other more than maybe Egypt or Romania and other places. Because what would you say to that? Do you think that's a good thing for society? Is it even true? Or how do you think of it, especially not being from the U.S. originally? Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think one of the reasons why we're more litigious here is because it's so easy to start a lawsuit. I always tell my clients because my clients ask, can I be sued, right? So not to be obnoxious, but the answer is always yes. Of course, you can be sued, right? I can't do anything to stop anyone. But think about it. If it's not an employment discrimination claim or a wage claim, all you need is really uh, an initial $600, basically, to file your file your claim and, and serve. And if you're not an entity, if you're a person, you don't have to have a lawyer. 
And if you're suing for discrimination or wages, there is no fee that you pay. The lawyer pays everything and you only pay if you succeed. In other countries, it's not like that. And so that's one of the reasons. So some people might think that's good because it cuts down, but some people might think it's bad because you're stifling their abilities. And we can go on about that for you know hours. So you know, I'm not in a position to say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I can tell you that it's relatively easy to sue somebody. And it's getting easier and the protections are growing for um, employees and non, non-business owners. What advice would you have for someone getting started in entrepreneurship? Uh, it doesn't have to be a lawyer. <laughs> what, what, could be, could be, be a lawyer that wants to be an entrepreneur. But what advice would you have for someone who's getting started in entrepreneurship? Well, I think you have to be honest with yourself about what you are willing to do and what you're not willing to do. You have to stay true to yourself because it's, you know, people can sense it when you're not being truthful about who you are as a person. Not a specific sentence you say, but if you're contrived or you're faking it, because we have this saying, fake it till you make it, but it doesn't really work. Like it's fascinating. You, you see people with side hustles. It's not growing. That's because people can sense it. You're, that's not really your business. So jump in. Be honest with yourself and don't be afraid. Like, put your foot in your mouth. It's fine. You're a person. It actually is okay to make mistakes. What's not okay is to ignore them. Or if you make a mistake while you're helping someone, it's not okay to pretend that it didn't happen. Just get out there. Say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Will you give me the opportunity to fix it? Nine times out of 10, it's going to be yes. If you missed a deadline as an attorney that cost them a whole case, probably no. But uh, hopefully that won't be your mistake. So just be true to yourself. Be honest with yourself and jump in and be fearless. That's really it. That's all it takes. I love that. One more question. So uh, what's the mistake that you find entrepreneurs make early on? Specifically legal mistake could be about contracts or the way they set up things. But what's if you had one piece of legal advice for someone who's starting a business um, or maybe it's early on in the entrepreneur journey. What, what mistakes do you see people making? I think that entrepreneurs believe incorrectly that they have no power to negotiate because they're small. So they tend to review contracts, see that they're not beneficial to them, but say, I've got to start somewhere. And then they sign it. It's not a good idea to do that. Even if you think you don't have the money to pay for a lawyer, pay for the lawyer, have someone advocate for you because it protects the relationship. Oftentimes I tell people, I know you can read just as well as me. You're probably smarter than me. Some of my clients are, right? I mean, they're building patentable technology. I I can't do that. So, but you want to preserve your relationship with this vendor or this other entity. Why do you want to negotiate for yourself? Don't you want to just be able to blame her? That's me. Talk to my lawyer. It's her problem. It's her fault. Oh, really? She said that? Oh, okay. No, you must have misunderstood. I mean, it's this, it, it's a important shield. Put the shield between you and the other person. Don't do your own dirty work. You don't have to because you're going to grow and you're going to grow in the relationship with this other person or entity. And you don't want them to ever look back and say, Flavio, you said this or Taylor, you said that. 
you want to laugh about that nasty lawyer you had who said those things for you. You know, I got to say, when uh, in, in my last company, I felt exactly like you, you said, you, you know, I, I would start the business very young, as an experienced, and, and I just, I was like, well, there's no way I could push back on this provision. And the only real pushback I would have would be I wanted them to pay me sooner. So I'd push back on payment terms. But anything else, I largely kind of let go. And then I did this big project for a guy. I lost a ton of money on it. And the guy that owned the business, we went to lunch at the end of the project. And he said, you know, Taylor, I was so surprised that you never pushed back on any of anything. He, he's like, you never asked me for a change order. He goes, I knew we were changing things. And I was just waiting for you to stand up for yourself and, and ask for the money, ask for the change, change order. And he's like, and at some point we kind of felt bad because we were like, oh, Taylor's just going to back down on every single one of these things. Uh, I lost that client, by the way. So, so by having this feeling of giving, giving, giving to him, what really I was showing him was that I was a pushover. And, and I learned a lesson in that, you know, he was a, he was a nice guy, um, not a friendly guy, but, but he, was, he was, you know, I'm glad that he gave me that lesson. Uh, because it was kind of what you're talking about. And, and that's what I took away from it. I took away that I need to stand up for myself. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it means asking for more money. Sometimes that means removing this contract provision, those things. But you're right. Early on, we're just like, we'll take, you know, we have this mindset, the scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset of, I just got to take it. This is, this is coming in. If I push back, they're going to leave. It's true. So if you're in like any kind of retail environment and you want to go into a large, uh, store or in a specific industry, like if you want to have, have a contract with a distributor and you're selling vitamins or you want to get your makeup into like a Sephora or something like that, there are a lot of provisions in there that can be scary for the small business owner, right? Because everything has to be done on time, whatever that means. And then there are penalties. Oh my goodness, the paperwork is off. Pay me X. Oh, it's late. Pay me why. That can bankrupt a small business. But all of those things are negotiable. So one of the things that we did for one of my clients in this situation, it was, uh, you know, quasi medical stuff in America. If you say anything is healing or helps improve health, it's considered medical, even though it's not like a bandaid, right? Cover the boo-boo because that'll protect it from infection. Ah, protect medical device. Okay. FDA. Wonderful. So, uh, we have a client that distributes something quasi-medical and we had this contract that had all of these penalty clauses. And I, you know, when we were going back and forth in writing, which is what lawyers tend to do, we weren't getting anywhere. It's like, uh, delete, undelete, delete, undelete. You know, it doesn't work. So I just like, well, can you call me? Can we get on a five minute call? I usually ask for calls less than 15 minutes because otherwise no one's going to call me. And I just said, listen, I think all of your fees are perfectly reasonable. And I understand why they're in the contract. However, my, con my client is small. It's a very small company. This is going to be a big break for them. What's the point of giving them a big break if they're going to be bankrupt? Because I already know they're going to be late and I already know they're going to make a mistake because one person does the work of 10. You guys, 10 people do work of one. So it's like the inverse ratio. How about we give my clients some time to figure out how to do what they need to do for you. So let's put a hold on all these fees for a year. But after that, go ahead, find the hell out of them. 
And they said yes. I guess I gotta say that right? was like a ninety second masterclass in really really good negotiating with with a counterparty that's much bigger and maybe we're scared of because uh, you kind of acknowledged it up front. I think everything you're saying is fair. I, I love that. Is that yeah? I'm gonna steal that one. Can you give me attribution, <laughs> or are you gonna be like AI? Just take it, use it. Yes, yes, certainly. It's just like AI. <laughs> no, that's it. I really this has been immensely valuable. Thank you so much for for being so open and sharing. And how, how can people find you online? If someone wants to re- reach out to you, how can they find you? Uh, well, it's a spelling test. So you can go to my website, www.bespokelawfirm.com, or you can just you know Google my name. It's probably faster. And for those of you who may not be able to afford legal services at this time, you can check out our you know other sister company, the Legal Edification Guild. And there you can sign up. For a flat annual fee, it's $175 until December 31st. Then it's going to be $375. And you can listen uh, to information that you may need as an entrepreneur. And in one of the videos, we actually teach you how to file your own trademark. You can do it yourself or your own copyright. And we answer some questions like, who gets over to you? Without it getting rejected in six months. Yeah, won't get rejected. Uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> we walk you through it. So that's the difference. There's no explanation when you use these, you know, AI-driven or templative-driven companies because there's no Q&A. I love it. Well, uh, Rania, th- th- thanks for coming on the pod and uh, appreciate the time. Thank thanks, you so Rania. much. Bye. Thank you for rocking with the homies. Taylor Trusty and Flavio sees the day on it. Until next time, hold it down, hold it down. Hey.